You're listening to Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, Season 3, The Jason Isbell Sessions. Today we're talking about the album, Here We Rest, Part 2. Hey everybody, and uh, thanks for listening to Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet. I guess it's more like Jason Isbell Sings the Alphabet, but if we're being honest, it's more like Jason Isbell in chronological order, right? Am I right, Jason Rob? Isbell sings the timeline. <laughs> Jason Isbell sings the timeline. Through yes. the years, as Disney Plus would call it. Jason Isbell through the years. Yeah. That's the through their the playlist for the Star Wars out of order, in order. Nice. Chronological. JB, we're, we, we are a podcast on a string tonight. A podcast of what? I said we're a podcast on a string tonight. Oh, we are a podcast on a string tonight. Yeah. The podcast of No Beard. That <laughs> podcast would be of No Beard. Tour yeah. podcast. Oh, man. All right. So, yeah, you're hey, JB. We say, I'm we wrong. say this a lot How we when doing? we're talking before the podcast. We say, uh, save it for podcast. <laughs> yeah. Don't give it. Yeah. Don't don't waste good content by talking before you we know start I love recording. it when you use that word, content. Mm. I know you hate that word, but give me a better word. Just anything. Whatever it is. Content is such a overused shitty word if you're producing content like that's what you put in a pillow if you're concerned about content then you're not concerned about whoever you're trying to serve or all right well um, then then you, cus- you rewrite rewrite the sentence for me and take out the word content and put in a different word uh this is this is valuable perspective information this is a great story like what is it it's a podcast you know? it, it's it's a thing that we're recording for consumption yeah but you're saying it's save content. the whatever for the podcast. You don't say save the podcast for the podcast. You say save that story for the podcast. Save that, yeah. Save, save that perspective for the podcast. Save okay. that poignant thought for the podcast. Okay. Save that garbage that you just said for the podcast because people want to ridicule you. <laughs> I've never said that. No, you haven't. No. You, you've implied it once or twice. Just just like once or twice over the whole four years. I don't Five know. Years, six I, years. I, I don't know. Doing, how long about. have we been doing this? We've been doing this since Barack Obama was the president. We started this in 2016. Mm. Barack Last, Obama. We, we've seen a lot. We have seen a, a lot. A lot of things have gone down in the amount of time that we've been doing this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So we used to. Do you those, experience this where you kind of keep forgetting that Joe Biden's the president? <laughs> You know what? My favorite thing about being an American right now is that I do sometimes not think about the president. Oh, maybe that's what it is. It's like you're, we're just thinking about him the normal amount. Yeah. Like, it, I mean, in, in the same way we that I did it, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I did that so terribly. What was that? The uh, They do it at the beginning of Good Christian Fun. Kamala saying, um, we did it, Joe. <laughs> oh, okay. I've. I'm I'm behind on that podcast. I'm I'm behind it's, on literally every podcast I listen to. I know you are. I know you are. Um. Anyway, so what we for for those if, if this is your first episode, which why why would this be your first episode? But <laughs> it, You're so mad about that. <laughs> well, no, I mean I'm just curious. Like, why would you jump in? Here we rest part two. You know what I mean? What kind like, of insane person starts on a different artist than the title, and then on the part two of the third album? One before the actual biggest one. This would be, yeah. Th- th- I mean, I would not at all be surprised if somebody jumped on board for Southeastern next time. Right. But, like, why Why would Here We Rest Part 2 be your, your entry point? But if it is, this podcast was designed as a, as a venue for JB and I 
to discuss Bruce Springsteen songs in alphabetical order one by one, which we did. All the like go going up to the the River Box set from 2015, and uh, and we will we will get back to doing that. We're gonna, yeah. we we have uh, Western Stars. We've got Letter to You. It's possible that another. Uh, Outtakes box set is coming sometime this year. We, fingers crossed. So in the meantime, while we're kind of biding our time, waiting for Bruce to put out new con- <laughs> new songs, <laughs> new songs, yeah, new albums, new and, stories. Well, it might not be a new album. It might be a box set. That's what I'm saying. Like we don't know what we don't know what he's putting out. Yeah. But anyway, Bruce while, doesn't put out content though. He's better than that. But while we're while we're waiting for that, we decided to do a, a mini series where in which we talk about the music of Jason Isbell. And today we're continuing our, our discussion from last time, in which we discussed the first half of Jason Isbell's 2011 album "Here We Rest." So we stopped at track five, and today we're jumping right back in. So if you want like the basic facts of this album, you got to go back one episode where we kind of talk about all that at the beginning. So. We're, we're hey, kind of just picking in the last up. episode. Did we mention though that this was the year before his last record, the year before he went to rehab? I don't remember if we we mentioned that or not. That's good. That's good information. So he goes That's to just rehab in, in the first song, uh, or, or in track six here, in the first of this episode that I, that I thought about, and I was like, I googled like, when did he go to rehab? <laughs> and the answer is 2012. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I actually didn't know that. Um, so I mean, that makes sense. That album wise, that makes sense. So very much so. Yeah. Uh, hey, our, yeah. Real quick on your intro there uh, to to the idea of our podcast, um, I, I had the thought like somewhere along the line between season two and this season, we had the realization that uh, was like maybe the greatest uh, joy and fear at the same time that like <laughs> uh, not only could Bruce Springsteen potentially uh, keep this podcast in business for the rest of our lives <laughs> at this rate, yeah. But that this podcast could be about any song. <laughs> yeah. And I think that some days I'm like, we could talk about any song. And then some days I'm like, oh, God, we could talk about any song. <laughs> Are you saying that because like Bruce has covered so many songs in his live shows? No, I just mean like this, you know, Bruce is so related to so many musicians. Yeah. But also like there's been so many sort of spinoff. Um, if we start talking about people who's influenced. Yeah. Like of alphabetical podcasts. We're a spinoff of Alphabetical, which is the OG, and um, and and just like that idea that like <laughs> this could go on forever, yeah. And some days it's like, oh, we'll get to talk about this one day, you know. Like we talked about a Wilco season or spinoff for years, and and before we got to it, some people who were much more capable than us, or well, probably better Wilco fans than us for sure. Um, yeah, they sh- they are they've seen them so many more times than us. They're like involved in the community. They're super sweet dudes. That's called um, Alpha Bravo Charlie is the name of that podcast. That's a good podcast. If you haven't listened to it, we were on an episode. We talked about either way because that's probably top top five Wilco songs. It's a very good song. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So do you want to do you want to get into Here We Rest? Do you want to just jump back in where we left? Yeah, let's let's do it. We got Daisy May queued up. Let's do it. All right. So track six halfway through the album. If If you're listening to this on vinyl, this is where you flip it. And uh, track one, side two, uh, is Daisy May. Lay down beside me Close your eyes and feel the noonday song These eyes, they remind me Of a scared and simple doe before she runs John was a Baptist He feared the world could end at any time 
I thought about this listening to Daisy May because April, you know, Southeastern's up next. Yeah. She was like, she was like, wait, y'all haven't done Southeastern yet. And I said, no, he had a whole career before Southeastern. And um, a lot of people, I, was, I don't think, realize that. Yeah. And I was like, but you can talk about Elephant next week if you want for a minute because I know how much you love that song, your weird relationship with that song. Um, so, um, yeah, like a lot of people don't realize that this is a, that, that so much happened beforehand, but also I love this song because this is like another one of those little glimpses we talked about into his storytelling from someone else's point of view. Yeah. And, uh, this is a prequel to Elephant, you know? I was going to say it definitely, it, it... Uh, there, there is a list out there. I forget which publication put it out, but there, there's a list of like top 15 sad songs by Jason Isbell, and Elephant is number one, and Daisy May is in the top 10. Man, I've mentioned it multiple times, and I'll mention it again. But the time that someone, not knowing who he was, tweeted at him, wait, you're an Atlanta Braves fan? Do you love sadness? <laughs> and he responded, I invite you to listen to my catalog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you actually you mentioned that in in our last episode when we talked yeah. about. Um, I think I've mentioned it in probably sixty percent of our episodes about him so far. That's possible. So yeah, Daisy yeah. May is a sad song, and it. Um, in fact, I read an article in Pace Magazine that basically said um, that Jason Isbell is particularly adept at writing about people who are at rock bottom, and uh, mm-hmm. this this sort of this particular song is about someone who's a survivor of sexual abuse. Which mm-hmm. is, and he he writes from the perspective of um, a female partner, and in fact, he, here's what Jason says. He says, "I just tried to put myself in the shoes of somebody who was in that kind of relationship, somebody who was struggling with a partner who really had those problems in childhood." And so it's, I guess, it's not really from the perspective of Daisy May. It's from the perspective of Daisy May's new partner, who is not abusive, but he's he's like reckoning with the fact that he is he is in a relationship with someone who carries around a lot of pain. Yeah. So so it's from the perspective of someone whose partner, aka Daisy May, survived has survived sexual trauma and now he's trying to comfort her as she lives in the aftermath of that. And um in 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 an interview in which he talks about the song, he talks about how surprised he had he's he was when he learned how many of his female friends have suffered some kind of sexual trauma, either as adults or kids. And so he decided to write this song out of that, which is Interesting, like that. That that is that. That's a very empathic reason to write a song. Yeah, you know. So and so, I got. Go ahead. I, I've been talking with lately with sort of these ideas of like masculinity and expectations, uh, expectations of masculinity. Um, for for whatever reason, the last couple of weeks, and there is something to me that is like really beautifully masculine about this song, about him reckoning right yeah. with him about him saying my hands are evil too and admitting it you know yeah well, i'm not perfect either that ad- admitting that he is also capable of hurting yeah. someone of, of even not yeah realizing that like maybe he has and he didn't even know it. um and that's sort of like the struggle that i think a lot of like m- people who struggle with masculinity and toxic masculinity and just what it means to be a man kind of are going through in me in sort of the me too moment and really all it takes is to like look down and realize that you are capable of at the very least making someone incredibly uncomfortable and uh and that you may have before and that you have to reckon with that 
and he, you know, and if and if you have, then apologize. Yeah, it's you know, and like it's <laughs> that's pretty manly to say I'm sorry and to try to fix it, you know. Um, and like, and, and I think there's nothing wrong with like, <laughs> you know, being the good the good kind of masculine, just like the good kind of feminine. Like we can embody that. Yeah. Across genders. And, um, I love that about this song, I guess. What do you think? There's a line in here that I, I I'm having trouble sort of finding its place in, in the, the overall theme of the song. It's, it's the, it's the first line in the second part of the first verse where it says, John was a Baptist. He feared the world could end at any time. You and I are charged with this to hold the essence of a kiss, to take these broken pains and make them rhyme. Like the idea of taking broken pain, uh, oh, sorry, broken plans and make them rhyme. Like, that part makes sense to me, the idea of, like, we take something that feels broken and making some sort of sense or art out of it. But the, Yeah, the, it's the songwriter's version of just, like, fixing. I love but, the... It's very poetic way to say it. But why... I don't why, know why he mentions John the Baptist. That, that, that's the part that I was kind of stumped about. Like, I, I, don't, I don't understand why he mentions John, John the Baptist. I think this, this reminds me of early character songs from Bruce Springsteen. And, um, you know, some of those didn't make sense either. <laughs> and I think that he, his characters, you know, have more clear intentions and motivations, um, as we go. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think John the Baptist is him trying to put religious imagery in here. You know, he's still a young songwriter. Or maybe um, as I'm looking at it where he says, he mentions John the Baptist. He says he, he feared the world could end at any time. And he says, you and I are charged with this. So maybe it's like the thing that we have in common with John the Baptist is we have like this, this really like apocalyptic view of every, like everything feels like the end of the world. Yeah. That is sort of a, one of those, um, like manic, uh, addict, addict, um, sort of ideas, you know? Yeah. This is it. We got, we got to, Run, you know what it is. We'll say we gotta. Um, oh my gosh, what's the song in reunions about? Putting the pedal to the metal. Um, oh man, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm I've Burn got out the, like a Molotov. Oh, that's that's not on reunions. That's on uh, Nashville Sound. Nashville it's Sound. Called, sorry, it's called Molotov. Is that yeah? Yeah. What's the line about? Um, put putting it to the floor until it, the engine went dry. What's that? Until line? the wheels come off. And the wheels come off. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's sort of... That could be what this is. Like, we are charged with this. The world could end at any time. So let's... Yeah. You know, let the world end while our lips are together. Yeah. So make the most out of everything. And yeah. Maybe Take gain some sort of... like plans the, and make them run. Yeah. Which, I mean, and, and part of... Like, that's part of trauma, too, right? Like, trauma makes you feel like like you're you're just sort of... Like th- things can't get better. It it, it can it can make it, it can make everything feel like like the end of everything. Maybe that is what he's saying. He's because his Daisy Maze hasn't been your day. It hasn't been your day. Yeah. Um. And so I almost maybe those lines should come after that. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. You know, like has it been your day, John the Baptist? He feared the world could at any time. You and I are charged with this to hold the essence of a kiss to take these broken plans and make them rhyme. Here he never touched. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I love that he meets her in her pain. Like that's like I said, it's a very empathic way of of yeah. writing a song. He does he doesn't he's he's not looking at her from like tw- thirty feet away, and he's not telling her to just cheer up and maybe you know he's he's acknowledging. It. In fact, he he joins her there. He says, "You and I are charged with this." So it's not just like it hasn't been your day. I'm joining you in 
the frustration and the sorrow of what, whatever it is that caused you to relive a trauma or like whatever triggered your your response. What for whatever reason that this wasn't your day for whatever reason like this was a hard one. I'm I'm with you in that. Like he he is he is walking beside her in that. Yeah. You know, like so it's it's funny. Um, I, when I googled this song, I I try and find like live videos of of him performing whenever whatever songs we're gonna be talking about, and I found a video of him doing like there like Southern Living magazine did some sort of like tea and biscuits afternoon, and it's oh, it's like this wow. little garden party with like twenty like women in their forties, and they're all holding like teacups and and he does this song. And then as soon as he's done, which is a weird, it's like, it's like 10 in the morning and he's doing this song. And then as, when it's over, he says, thank y'all so much. I hope you uh, enjoy your biscuits. Like, <laughs> like he knows, he knows he just did like this very devastating, like this is not a party song, you know, by any way, by any means. Um, I, so I've mentioned uh, the writer Tom Franklin here before, but one of the first times I ever met him, he was doing a book reading at, in like this very suburban Memphis city um for a bunch of like 30 something single or not single moms but there's like 30 something moms you know like there were a lot of minivans in the parking lot and he's like a pulp writer who just wrote like a hit on act you know like he wrote a stephen king sort of love letter and it just happened to like make it on all the right lists for these women to just for it to have kind of like gotten on this book club for the not his audience <laughs> Yeah, and I did not read the room, and I asked him like a very specific question about some of his other work that was sort of. I, I was trying to use cool words and let him know that I was like a, <laughs> a man of the pen, <laughs> like himself. Right, and all the women in there were like, "Uh, what?" And he was like, <laughs> "He signed my book." Uh, he go, no, he answered it like, "Why would you ask me that?" <laughs> and then he signed he ended up selling like a ton of copies of that book that night and he was like thanks for helping me peddle this smut <laughs> oh wow that's fun man <laughs> it's not smut but you know right anyway that's that's what that garden party reminded me of so much yeah did anyway, you watch that video biscuits. no no just your story about it it's good i mean it, it, it he, it's i'm gonna watch it so well second. you yeah. should it's it, he he man you forget like how powerful he can be when he, it's just him and an acoustic guitar. Just uh, he, he really, he, he, I mean, th this is one of the ways that he's, he's like Bruce Springsteen. He, he has the magic trick, you know, where he can, he can just be there and yeah, grab he, a captive audience. He has this thing where like, he's got the choir boy voice that Bruce doesn't like he can simply represent these notes for you. But oftentimes mm -hmm. he chooses to go out and work for him, you know, like Bruce has to, <laughs> Or, like, people like me who, you know, can't just, like, find a note. We got to really go work for it. Yeah. So, like, Jason can just represent a note vocally. You know, he can just be like, hey. And it's yeah, the he's most got beautiful thing very, you've ever heard. It's like a baby. Yeah, he's got a great voice. singing voice. For it sure. sounds like a cherub sometimes. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And those cheeks. That's funny. And, you know, and his, you know, his little country voice. And he might as well be a little flannel cherub. little cherub. And then, um, uh, but then he he will go out and like put some gain on it or he'll go out and reach for a note. He's got no business reaching for. And those are, those are the moments, man. Yeah. He does it a little bit in the song. We're going to get to in a minute. Well, it's funny that we're talking about his vocal stylings because the next track, track seven has no vocals in it. And it's called the ballad of no beard. Thank you. 
So this song is 20 which is seconds a long. Reference to it, Bluebeard. The pirate? The Blackbeard was a pirate. I think Bluebeard was killed killed his wives. I don't know anything about this song. Like there there's no like there there's nothing in the liner notes about it. It's like T- talk to me about it's instrumental it's 28 seconds long talk talk to me about this here's my note it is uh there ain't much to say about the song but i think that all of y'all can guess that one of us is gonna make a tom waits reference <laughs> it just What's reminds it me, me of like it, it just reminds me, no i'm just either of us it reminds me so much of alice and i just knew you would say if i didn't say something about tom waits i just knew you would Honestly, I didn't even think that hard about this song. Like, I, I I wasn't prepared with a Tom Waits reference on this because like it's 28 seconds long and there's no lyrics. So I kind of I, I, I kind of just brushed this one off a little bit. I think just any time I hear the sounds of a circus in a minor key, I'm like Tom Waits. Yeah, it's very um, Rain Dogs. Yeah, very Rain Dogs or Alice. Yeah. Um, but I think it's like a really Singapore. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I think it's like a really good um, sort of primer, like just breath, because you got Daisy May, you know, on the back of Co- stopping by on Codeine, right? And then yeah, and then you're gonna go into Never Could Believe, which is a like greaser spikes the punch bowl at a sock hop kind of song. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then are we <laughs> are we talking about Never Could Believe or are we still talk, talking about No Beard? Never Could Believe, but I'm just okay. I'm just saying like No Beard. You needed a palate. Like, this is the ginger on a sushi tray. <laughs> well, it's not on, like, Coda on the last album, right? Like, yeah. he, like, this is the second album in a row where he puts an instrumental track where, where there's sort of like a thematic break. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's cool. All right. Well, then, which leads us to track eight, which is, as you mentioned before, Never Could Believe. is like just the greatest 50s leather jacket cigarettes rolled up in your white t-shirt sleeve duck bill greaser tater tots and little burgers and a supercharged deville kind of song yeah it's fun it's catchy this is one you could definitely hear him doing at like jazz fest oh yeah uh this reminds me of my mom's parents really They're total greasers and yeah this is right up their alley uh so thematically this is a song about a woman who's a liar and 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 so basically and and this side of the album everything post like i mean i I say everything post i was gonna say everything post no beer but really daisy may included this side of the album seems to be all about things that get in the way of healthy relationships so like for daisy may it's it's past trauma here it's dishonesty it's or or it it could possibly be a pirate named no beard uh (laughs) that gets in the way of your relationship but the, it's basically like what, what are the obstacles between us and a healthy relationship well it could be a past trauma it could be that one of us is, or both of us are incapable of being truthful right um and, and so like that that's I'm, when i'm going out looking for a theme like that's that that's sort of the, the thread that ties these songs together i think yeah absolutely but yeah musically this is a this is a fun kind of tap your toe kind of song to it there's so many great just sort of like southern not like actual idioms 
but just sound like something somebody said on a front porch on the ethel, exhale of a menthol cigarette. Yeah. Like, uh, just packed a bag and left with me passed out. Never could believe a word that came out of her mouth. She yeah. told me once, drunk on wine, <laughs> she'd be beside me till the end of time, but the end of time came early at my house. I mean, it's just, all of this is just things that sound like, you know, your southern grandpa said when he was a little bit mad at you. Yeah. The uh, only time she didn't lie to me was rolling in that big old bed. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. It's, it's a fun, it's Mama, a fun give song. Me another beer out of the cooler. <laughs> it, she came home on a Trailways bus, stole a pack of camels for the both of us. Crawled right up to the door of my house. Never could believe a word that came from her mouth. Yeah. This is like everybody in the world has somebody who's like who's like the best bite idea, you know? <laughs> yeah. Everybody. And and this is a, a great song about like that best bad idea, mm. you know? Yeah. That person, it's like, <laughs> we can't do this. Why not? <laughs> you know, like, everybody's got one. Friend, relationship, whatever. Like, everybody's got that person that they both enable, you know. Uh, that codependent, you know, outlet somewhere. Mm. And so, this is that song. So you're digging this song. You're, you're, you're feeling it? I just wish, like, I wish that uh, I could dance... To this song with my grandparents, you know? Yeah. Or walk in they a second line. It. What? I said, or walk in a second line. Yeah. Or something. Yes. It's that kind of song. Uh, it kind of reminds me, um, it doesn't sound like it, but I was talking to someone about Zamrock before this. Uh-huh. And I know I've talked about Shina Williams uh, on this podcast before, but like that sort of Zamrock, psychedelic, like funk African funk. Yeah. Because <laughs> this is like blues funk. <laughs> well, it kind of reminds me of Dr. John in that way. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely got a little bit of, um, like, uh, caffeine-free Zydeco. Yeah. Washboard-free Zydeco. Yeah, I didn't check the last time he played this, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if he plays it when he goes to New Orleans. Oh, yeah. You know. How do you feel about Heart on a String? <laughs> out there all alone now searching for a friend you saw my knee and you came along with that charm you took me in then one night you captured my heart uh, track nine, Heart on a String, is it's an upbeat breakup song or heartbreak song. How do you feel about it? Who, give me two people, if two other people could have written this song, just give me two different examples. Who would you pick? Shoot, I don't know. I promise. Um, We're going to cross over somewhere. You just got to feel it. You got to feel it. Oh, dude, I don't know. I, I've, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm totally drawing a blank. Who do you have in your head? All right, if it was just a vibe, yeah, you know, a little more of a vibe. Yeah, Cheryl Crow. This is a Cheryl Crow song. Yeah, yeah, I could hear that. All right, but if you really wanted to come back and double down on the chorus, that's a Chris and Morgan Stapleton radio banger. I don't know who that is. Chris Stapleton. Oh, Chris Stapleton. Okay. Yeah, Morgan yeah. Stapleton's his wife. Like the that male female uh, 
like that sort like uh blood by law harmony you know the i can't breathe that part like chris and morgan stapleton do that so well together you know now that i'm thinking about it i would have said daniel uh daniel Rayliff. yeah and the daniel Rayliff would do a great job with this song this is yeah. right up his alley it really is yeah yeah man so yeah this is a fun catchy upbeat song i i enjoy this yeah, this is just a fun. I can think of any any of fifty bands that would do this song like just as well, completely differently. Uh, it's just a fun. You know, he wrote just like a real. It's you know, it's a Hanson song. Uh, <laughs> it's it's it could be anybody, right? It's just a fun pop banger. You know, it's you want to find you want to you don't want to sing it by yourself because you want someone else to do that. I can't even tell if it's a third or if it's a uh, a double. Yeah. Harmony, right? Like an octave. It's just, it's nice. Yeah, it's a good song. I mean, and I really, this second half of the album, there's, I don't think there are any five star songs here for me, but they're all solid fours. You know what I mean? Like these are, yes. You know, like it's, it's good work he's doing. It's this, this is an adequate second half to a good, a really good album. I don't know that the next song is a four for me, but that's just because, like, I'm not sure I know what it's about. Okay, well, let's talk about it. It seems like it's more obvious. Then, but then, like the title, you know, it's like, oh yeah. But then it's like, is that what's going on? Is this good? Is this bad? And of course, you're talking about track ten, which is save it for Sunday. Save it for Sunday. She loves me. She loves me not. I don't bring it up because she's all I've got. I don't ever ask why she's around. Yeah, I mean, it's another unrequited love song, but this time it's couched in "Tell it to somebody who cares" kind of a frame, which is which is kind of fun, you know? Yeah. Um, I guess okay. I didn't. I was like, who at church wants to hear about this? I didn't think about like Sunday was God. Yeah, like yeah, like pray about it. Pray about it. Say like take it to your confession booth. But you know, like I'm basically the narrator's like I. Save it for somebody who's gonna listen. And I got you. Okay. Yeah. I was searching through my head like, what is save? I know I've heard that, but like, what? Why would the pastor want to hear about this? He doesn't. Nobody does. So that that's the whole (laughs) idea. Save it for Sunday. (laughs) Save it for the choir. I think I speak on behalf of all pastors when I say we don't want to hear this shit. (laughs) Well, and I mean that's that's in the chorus, right? It says save it for Sunday. Save it for the choir and everyone. Save it for Sunday. We got cares of our own. So like it's not my job to care about this. When you when you go to church with problems, it's their job to care. So you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. save it save it for somebody who, um, who who will listen and at least feign empathy for whatever it is that you're going through. It seems to be what yeah. he's getting at. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, I don't. I don't really have a strong feeling about this song either way. It's really pretty. Like, just the way that the chord hits and the really slowly strummed acoustic guitar go underneath. You know, over that sort of light pluck underneath. And yeah. 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 So it's. I mean, and I, the, it, it works. The vocal, like this, the chorus, save it for us. You know, whatever. I'm not going to sing. I'm not good. Um, no, no, keep going. <laughs> save it for Sunday. <laughs> that's perfect. It's like, it's Jason Isbell. That sounded like a baby cherub. It did. Like a little baby cherub. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, I have to sing like really loud to just get the notes right and not even to sound good. And so like if I'm just singing a correct note this close to the microphone, it really. Um, I thought, like, I thought it was powerful. Oh, thank you. That chorus yes. is. It's just good. Like this is him writing really interesting melodies. Even if I, I kind of don't care about the song itself, you know, it's just like yeah. it works. It's nice. It checks. It. It, this is his ballad, his sad ballad version of that blues song. What was the blues song that we talked about? Never could believe. Never could believe. No, not today. Um, oh shoot! I'm looking I don't back. know, man. I've I've been I've I've only been listening to this album, so I I, I don't I'm having a hard time going yeah. backwards. Uh, this, uh, no choice in the matter. Okay, yeah, alright. Um, this is his, like, this is his, like, Ballad of Longing version of that, you know? Yeah. It's got, like, the Bob Carlyle Butterfly Kisses, uh, melody, like, down, but then it goes minor and changes, you know? It's got, like, just, like, this sort of, it sounds like it's being played in a small sanctuary with big windows. Yeah. Okay. Which, you know, could be a, a church. Right, like the it sounds like it would be played in that uh, that church, like a little bit smaller version of the church where Aretha did the movie that just got released, the Amazing Grace uh, yes. concert. Yeah, I mean that's it. Kind of uh, sounds like that room. Okay, yeah. I wonder. Yeah, I want. I wonder if they. I mean, that has to have been intentional. I assume. I assume they recorded all of these songs in the same studio. So that that echo like maybe maybe that's exactly what he's trying to do maybe he's trying to simulate the the feeling of like an empty choir oh, left. empty church yeah yeah um interesting so yeah, yeah. I, it's it's pretty i don't like i said i don't really have strong feelings about it either way i i it's it's good i just you know i don't have a whole lot to say about it doesn't it kind of sound though like the song not like the song they play at the end of a service at a baptist church to get everybody to come down front like a benediction the song, song yeah benediction but yeah. the song the call and response not the call and response the the end of the Disciple Now weekend song, uh, where you try to get all the teenagers to cry. Uh, I don't know. You, I don't know what the. I mean, you is. didn't specifically do that. I just right. figured it was something uh, an industry aware term. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what the term for it is. Yeah, but you know what I'm talking about, like the prayer solo. Well, of course, yeah. With your head bowed and your eyes closed. The emotional no manipulation portion of the service. No one's looking, and they look back at me, and they're like. Do the Ebo. And I'm like, I'll have no part in this. You didn't tell me you were doing this. Leave me out of your sinister plan. I can't tell you how many pastors have like tricked me into trying to, and whatever band I was with, into like, just keep going, just keep going. Yeah. And then they just got up there, and I don't even do it anymore because so many times they've been like, all right, here's the thing the guitar player completely disagrees with, and it goes against everything in the Bible. We're going to do it together. Put your hands up. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad but this has that kind of vibe that emotional song at the end of the you know what I mean like just that sad emotional tired song yeah it, it definitely has a tired tiredness to it yeah I love sure. the the melody and save it for Sunday when he sings save it for Sunday yeah it's it's good uh, hey Jason Isbell can write a melody I'll tell you what yes well and then which brings us to the final song on this album which is track 11 Tour of Duty I'm driving on the day's last train been on the platform trying to see you through the rain I don't know the way you changed since I left And I really don't care I've done my tour of duty now I'm home and I ain't going anywhere I taught my 
now we're returning to some, really... some familiar territory with the returning soldier motif. This seems like a weird placement on the album for me with an otherwise really nice song. I love a song about trains that actually has that drum beat in it. You know, yeah. like that's to me, we can never ever do that. And I don't say that sarcastically. <laughs> yeah. But I, otherwise, like, I'm not sure why it's in this spot. You know, like, Save It For Sunday is kind of road as it is or whatever. Like, that'd be a good closer. I think so, too. Yeah, and, and Tour of Duty, it feels like, it, it feels like it, it's, a, it's a song from a previous album, almost. You know, because, yes. like, we've got Dress Blues. I mean, th- this is this is a, a thing that, so far, I, I think he's got at least one Returning Soldier song on every album at this point. I think if he put this between, like, Racetrack, Romeo, and Seven Mile Island, it would be great. On uh, the 400 Unit album? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing is is that it, this. Oh seems wait, to... Racetrack Romeo. Sorry, was started to the ditch, <laughs> and Seven Mile Island was four hundred unit. Right. If well, he, and then you got started four hundred unit with it. Well, and then you've got Dress Blues, which the song is you know very reminiscent of, and yeah. Um. So yeah, it's about a soldier returning home from his tour of duty, um, and and the song or this song, the, this this motif shows up on all of Jason's first three albums, in one form or another. He really does seem to have latched onto the plight of soldiers and their families, which is very Bruce Springsteen of him. Um. But I wonder, I wonder if it's he very g- working class because if you're not of a certain sort of class or of a certain sort of like educational expectation you you go well a large number of people end up enlisted especially during wartime yeah especially especially when me and from the when part bruce of the- was coming up and when me and jason and you were coming up um yeah. which is like we're i'm a gener almost a generation away from y'all we're like on the other sides of our generation and um and we we experienced the same long ass war you know, that people are still experiencing today, but, you know, there's still, like, a little bit of a fear of a draft back then. Yeah. And um, that's the thing is, like, if you're a working class, you know, Bruce and Jason are working class musicians, right? I mean, not anymore, but that's where they came from. That's their background. And, like, that's, that's the, yeah, that, that's the um, the image, for sure. That's why I'll never besmirch a soldier, no matter how much I disagree with the war, is because, like, they needed soldiers when I was 18. <laughs> yeah. There was it signing, filling out your you know your draft card or whatever it's called um, wasn't something you did lightly when I when I was graduating from high school. I'm sure also when you were because it was like this this could be something, right? Well, I graduated from high school in 2000, and so I um, and we were not in a war, and so it was. You I know, guess not yeah. when you filled it out, but about a year after you turned it in. <laughs> Well, that, and and that was after nine eleven. There was, there there was this circulation because I mean it was such a such an unusual, upsetting event, and and it really was like there was this this moment where everybody was like I remember my dad calling me and saying like, you better be ready for you know for a draft to start up because I was in college and so like you know theoretically if you're if you're a student you don't you know you're, you're you can defer out of the draft but the fact that we were even having that conversation in two thousand one was um really scary you know yeah so um but yeah i i definitely knew a lot of guys that i grew up with who joined up right after 9-11 and went over and you know have um you know that now they have stories and they they reflect a lot of these um songs that jason is singing yeah i wonder i wonder though 
if the reason he shifts because he, he doesn't really do this anymore he doesn't really write songs about returning soldiers he did on his first three albums then he goes to rehab and then we get southeastern which we're going to talk about next time but once he has sort of faced his own trauma he stops writing about the trauma of other people you know mm-hmm. what i mean and so I, I wonder if that's why. I wonder. I, wonder I don't if, think he stops writing about the trauma of other people. I think he starts stops writing about maybe people who aren't from the same sort of relatable. He, not every song is first person from here on out. No, and, and I mean maybe, maybe I, I just said it wrong. Like, and I, I'm, he 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 doesn't continue to return to the same well of like the soldier has returned home or this person died in combat. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. Um, that, yeah, that he does in I, the first three albums. Honestly, it kind of reminds me. Of, having lunch with a friend today and he was asking me about a shooting and I answered and he goes, no, 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 it wasn't that. And I said, no, I think it was. And we were talking about two different shootings that happened this week. And I think that, and we, and we weren't surprised. Right. And that's the saddest part. Yeah. And I think that that's what happened. You know, like it's really easy for me to forget about a war that like people were growing tired of when I was graduating from high school and enlistment was down. Yeah. You know, like (laughs) I was terrified of this war and now I, I just, I think about it when I'm on Netflix, which is yeah. The work, you know, the most tragic part. Yeah. It has, I think about it when I'm looking to be entertained, Mm. not, you know, (laughs) purposefully. It's just, it's, one of the options. Well, it's just, it's it's just part of the the atmosphere. It's just, it's just a, a matter of fact thing that we've just been in this war for twenty one yeah. years now, or twenty years, or whatever. And so, um, yeah, yeah like it, it, one of Jake Gyllenhaal's first movies was a movie about the war in Iraq. Jarhead. And, yeah, and he's like a he's been in the business for a while now. Yeah, I mean we've yeah we've gotten to the point now where. Yeah, and well, and I mean, people people are old enough to enlist who were not alive during nine eleven. You know. Yeah. Um. So, so yeah, it, yeah, it's very possible that that that's what happened. Is that mm-hmm. uh, other shit came up? You know. Yeah. Well, course, yeah. He, he over the course he, of twenty years. Yeah. Well, and, and he he begins to expand his his way of seeing things and his. Um, I, he, he just become, I, I think at beginning with Southeastern, he just becomes a better songwriter and, um, or maybe he always was that good. He just needed these first three albums to teach him how to get there. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, this, this, the song is good. It just, it, it does sort of remind me of, of his previous albums in ways that the rest of the album doesn't. Yeah. And I also think, yeah, like a lot of people have written songs about soldiers. Fewer people have written songs about, um, gentrification of neighborhoods that were once sacred property of native American tribes. <laughs> yeah. You know, so there's something to be said for focusing on that <laughs> for a song or two. Yeah. Or the fear of dying in a mo- in a motel. Yes. Which is, is, uh, I have feared dying in a motel on multiple occasions. <laughs> One of my, uh, weirdest memories is of me and my dad going to a motel when we were on like a weird family. We'd like gone to a funeral of a family friend in like a weird city just far enough away that we needed to stay overnight. And we parked next to the Mississippi crimes, uh, the, the state crime lab <laughs> mobile testing van. Mm. 
in the motel. And I remember my dad who like never talks about guns or anything. And I never really knew about where his were, except for, you know, when we went hunting, my dad reached into somewhere that I don't know in the, the Jeep and like pulled out a little Walter PPK and put it in his pocket and put it under the pillow that night. Oh my. And yeah. Anyway, sorry. Uh, I don't want to die in a super eight motel. Well, that's, that is content for the next, uh, album. Sorry, JB. Oh my god, I can't wait till next episode. Yeah, this. I mean, really, it's all been building up to Southeastern. So yeah, um, which so I I think I think we've covered it as far as here. You we know, but I goes. think we're gonna we're gonna learn that um, when we get to Southeastern, we're gonna learn that our you know the real prize was the friends we made along the way. Yeah, I think so. The the songs that we uh, cast off as uh, pre inspired Jason Isbell. Well, and that's the thing too is like the the stuff we've covered so far is is the less it, th- this is the least known material that he's released the the right. first three albums so yeah and it can't it can't be forgotten that um, his second song that was like published in a big way was Decoration Day. <laughs> so, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. You know, and not long after that, he's writing songs like John Henry and Goddamn Lonely Love and TVA. TVA, baby. He thanks oh, God, thank for, the God TVA. for the TVA. Chicago yeah. Promenade, Dress Blues, you know, Shotgun Wedding, which yeah. is a fan favorite now, <laughs> thanks to your story. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. I've had multiple people message me about that uh, in, on the Patreon. Uh, just tell Rob that uh, that was hilarious. That's funny. Yeah, I got I got at least one email like just referencing like, hey, th- thanks for the laugh. That, that yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that's a true story, everybody. <laughs> So if you, if, you, if you don't know what we're talking about, you can go back and listen to what what episode was it when we talked about? Was it the first episode? Was it is one of the Sirens of the Ditch episodes? Yeah, shotgun. It was shotgun wedding. It was Sirens of the Ditch episode part two. Part two. Okay, so yeah, if you want to hear that story, you can go back to part two of Sirens of the Ditch. Uh, the drop date was. Oh wait, I don't know the drop date. The recording date was. It was in January. I think. I think uh, well, I think it published in maybe one thirty one or two one. Okay, somewhere in there. Yeah, we recorded on the 26th. Oh, okay, cool. All right, well, this has been tons of fun, and we're going to continue the fun over on the Patreon feed where we're going to talk about more albums from the Rolling Stone 500 list. And uh, for those who We got wanna... a couple good ones this week. Yeah, it'll, uh, hey, I'm not giving away any content. <laughs> Sorry, we picked a couple of real stinkers. I just wanted another reason to say content. Um, I know you did. It's because you don't love me. <laughs> Or I love you enough to let you know, like, hey, sometimes I'm just going to use that word. Um, <laughs> all right. So, hey, wait, real quick for all the listeners out there. True story. One time when we were logging off, I was like, he was, Rob was like, see you later. And I was like, all right, bye. Love you. And then I just hung up <laughs> and Rob called me and he was like, I just want you to know that I love you, too. I didn't want you to think that I didn't whenever you. <laughs> Why don't you think I was being an ass? Like. <laughs> And I was like, "Do you have to tell me you love me? If you, you know, all it's right. fine. It's cool. I just, you know, just you're over yeah. here emoting all over the place, and I'm like, okay, see ya. <laughs> well, you know, people need to know when they're appreciated and when they're loved. Yeah, when they're cared for. So. Yeah. Oh, uh, all right. Well, on that note, we're doing. We'll be on the Patreon feed for anybody who uh, is one of our patrons, and thank you so much for the, for that. And for those who aren't, that's totally okay as well. But you can catch us next time on the feed. And we're going to start. We're, we're doing three weeks. We're going to talk for three episodes about Jason's. I'm going to go ahead and say masterpiece, Southeastern. Yeah. You and, know, we yeah. could do four if you wanted to. 
I mean, let's just see where it takes us. Let's see. Let's see split what, it up. What happens? You know, I guess if we spend an hour and a half on like the first two tracks, we'll, we'll do four. We'll feel it out. We'll we'll know. Um, <laughs> one song at a time. Baby. One song at a time. That's how. I mean, that's how we started. That's how we're gonna. That's how we'll keep going. So, anyway, we will be back in the feed next time talking about Southeastern. But until then, I'm Rob. That's JB, and we will talk to you next time.